Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. It's our hope that this message will help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to be teaching out of Proverbs tonight. <laughs> you know, you know I, I've been just really blessed uh, all the years that uh, this is like a second home to me. Seriously. Uh, Skip has been a real blessing in our lives, and God surely has blessed them to come to Albuquerque and to see the hand of God just being poured out His Holy Spirit and watching what God is doing here is just amazing. And I just really thank God for him and his wife and what God not only has done living in the past, but living to the present and also to the future, that God wants to touch a lot of people. You know, a couple of days ago, I, I, I didn't even know this, but uh, they, uh, they called me. Uh, one of the, um, call, as I should call it, Court TV called me. And the reason they called me is because I guess a gang member, I didn't even know that he was in our congregation. Uh, Fourteen years ago, he came forward and accepted the Lord, and he's a bounty hunter in Los Angeles, California. And he goes to all the institutions and helps young people. And Court TV picked up his story, and they're doing a series on it, so they wanted to interview me. And I never met this guy. He came out on Thursday. They filmed, and it was just amazing to be able to see who sits in the congregation. <laughs> that you really don't know who's there. <laughs> and how the gospel of Jesus Christ touches people's lives. I can remember when I uh, came to know the Lord that night of uh, uh, 1972. You know, my wife was a full-on Christian. She had been born in the church. She was a missionary's daughter and, uh, you know, went to high school together. Never boyfriend, girlfriend, but just good friends. She spoke Spanish. I spoke Spanish. And uh, her parents were from Nebraska. And uh, they had learned Spanish when they went to Colombia to be missionaries. They were burned out of Colombia, their mission station. They were persecuted. Her dad was put in prison. And then they fled to Chile and began to do ministry there. And then they came back to Los Angeles in 1957. That's the time when I left Mexico City and came to America. God already had a plan. I didn't even know it. You know, that we would go through high school together. Then I, I would go over to Vietnam and through letter writing that we would fall in love with each other and uh, that we would end up getting married. And of course, it wasn't the right way. She got pregnant before we got married, you know, and I told her, you know, I want to marry you. And so when I came back from Vietnam, I married her. She was a full-on Christian. She gave back her life to the Lord, became really strong. And it always used to irritate me. Because her family would come over the house and, you know, they were always smiling. I hated that. Christians have some are always smiling, you know. And I used to say, Man, why, are they, why are they so happy? They don't even drink wine, you know. Why are they smiling about? And she would always say, well, because they have the Lord. I said, oh, don't, don't tell me about the Lord, you know. And, and my wife was really instrumental in my life. Sorry. One night the Lord spoke to her on a dream. I had been in a, in a horrible fight. I was fully bloody. I came home. The lights were out. And she said, Raleigh, is that you? I said, yes, that's me. She said, I had a dream tonight that somebody tried to kill you. And I thought, man, are you following me? I said, do you have spies out looking after me? She says, no, the Lord revealed to me. I didn't believe in the Lord. You know, and, and she told me the whole story. And it was just amazing. I kept that in my mind. And then our little son, the middle son, Shane, got very sick. His had a large liver. He was going to die. I came home one day after partying all night long. And she was sitting in a rocking chair, rocking back and forth. My little son, and praying and worshiping. 
you know, the Lord touched them and healed them. And it's like the Lord was trying to get my attention every time. And I just kept coming against the Lord, spitting in His face, not thinking of the cross of Jesus Christ, very rebellious, very hardcore. But you know, when the Lord touched my life, it was just a real simple thing. It wasn't really something drastically. I didn't see any angels or lights or anything. The Lord had prepared, as Pastor Chuck Smith would be on television, and he would be with Catherine Kuhlman with the Jesus people. And I just happened to come home to kill my wife and my kids. And I just happened to break the TV. I was going to break the TV down, and the TV came on, and Chuck was sharing the gospel, and that's how God touched my life. And it was never the same ever again. And you know, when, when I got saved, I just really had a vision. I had a passion that I never had had before as I had spent my passion and my desires for the devil for so many years and done so many things in the world. That at 24 years of age, already had my own business. I was in the martial arts. I had you know, my own studio doing very well. 200 students was working with David Carradine in the Kung Fu series and doing all kinds of things. Moving up the ladder. But at the same time, when the Lord touched my life, something happened. All of a sudden, it's not that I didn't care about my future. It's that I really saw people as if they were going to perish. As if they were going to hell. As I began to be, you know, read the Bible, I began to go to Calvary Chapel and sit under Chuck's teaching. and began to hear line upon line, precept upon precept. And then I would go home and search the scriptures and read the scriptures that the Lord would really speak to my heart. And I looked at my neighbors and I looked at these kids in high school, junior high school and grammar school. I looked at my own children and I thought, you know, all these people are going to hell. Who's going to reach them? If we don't reach them now, they will go to hell. And I don't think that many times we realize that we have children, we have grandchildren, we have our neighbors, we have those that we work with, employers or employees, or maybe people that we meet at the supermarket, or wherever we play, in the gym, or the volleyball court, wherever it may be, that every person you see walking on the earth has a soul. And they're going to die. Just like we're going to die. The only difference is that we are secure in Jesus Christ already. We have come to the cross of Jesus Christ. We have repented of our sins. We have given our lives to Him. He is now in charge of my life. And I am in submission to His will. Whatever He wants me to do, I said, yes sir, whatever you want me to do, I will do. But when you look at people that are lost, it's a tragedy. Because the only opportunity, the only chance that they're going to get is right now. At this very moment, in this very place, and outside of this place, only one chance. And what many people don't realize is the Bible says there is an appointed time for a man to die, and then the judgment day comes. But we really don't know when we're going to die. It could be tonight, it could be in the morning, it could be in the afternoon, it could be the evening, or it could be 90 years from now. But we're going to die. And yet, the proverb is so clear that it gives us really great hope in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. It says this, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and listen, and he who wins souls is wise. I love that. 
He who wins souls is wise. I can remember the Jesus people movement. I loved it. You know why I loved it? Because when I got saved in 1972, it was the beginning of the movement, what we call the Jesus people movement. It was a time where young people were confused, young people were searching. Many had come back from Vietnam pretty messed up, and there was a lot of people, they were in rebellion against society. But one thing that was surely happening is that as people were getting saved or coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ, they were not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they were not ashamed to share with others the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can remember going to the high schools, going to the byways and the highways. I can remember going to my own family that hated me and my own dad, I was going to kill him. And the day I told my dad that I wanted to, for, for him to forgive me and that I had received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, he told me, I never want to see you again. And then my brother and my mother, my sisters. But you know what? It didn't really bother me because I knew that they did not know the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that I had come to find out that Jesus Christ was my King and my Lord. And I knew that God would work through the Holy Spirit, that I would just have to be a witness to their lives. And that is one of the problems that we have today, is that we are not sometimes real witnesses, and instead of turning people to Christ, we're turning people away from Christ. And we have to be very careful that we don't offend with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think one of the great weaknesses in the church today is, is that weakness that we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit within us to make us stand and say, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We don't care what you do, but we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to make us stand for righteousness. I believe that the church has become complacent and has lost the vision for the lost. Maybe not this church, but there's a lot of churches that really do not have a real passion and vision for the lost, in the highways, in the byways. I feel wherever we go, if you go get a cup of coffee, or if you go down to the gym, wherever you go, you have to be a light for people to not, not to preach to people, that's not what I'm saying. Because you can preach all you want, but if you're not living for Christ, your preaching is weak. It's of no value. There has to be power behind the messenger. And the power of the message comes through the power of the Holy Spirit as we live a life of obedience to the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. I think of all the people that have loved so many people, and yet at the end of their lives, they're lost. I think of my own loved ones, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins. All the people that I knew in Mexico City when I was a little child. All of my Spaniard family, and all of my German family, and all of my Mexican family. And how many really did not come to know the Lord, but they died before I came to know the Lord, and God knows what's going on. And then after I came to know the Lord, many of them rejected me. And rejected me, no, they rejected the message of the cross. And they died. And I face the facts that I'll never see them again. I know that for a fact, because that's what the Bible tells me. But one of the things that strikes me so incredible in my own mind, in my own life, is that God was so loving and so caring, so gracious to all of us, that God did not make hell for men. That just blew me away. 
That hell was never made for men. Hell was made according to Matthew 25, 41. It was made for the devil and his demons. Not for men. If any person ever, ever goes to hell, it's by their own choice. Why? Because God has given us a will. He did not make us like puppets, you know, you know, on a string. But God made us what we can choose. We can say yes or we can say no. We can rebel or we can submit. We can receive Jesus Christ by faith as Lord and Savior, or we can say no to Christ and be damned forever. That's the amazing thing. But what hurts is that I see so many loved ones and friends that will be lost. Because they they will not come to the cross of Jesus Christ. And then for many, it's it's, it's actually a thing where you and I are not really true witnesses. We're not making an impact in people's lives. Because, you know, it's like the book of Corinthians says to us, you know, in the Corinthian church, people were very carnal. Very carnal. People were drinking, they were fornicating, they were lying, they were cheating. And when we think of sin, we always think, oh, well, sexual sin and, you know, and drugs and all these. But what about lying? The Bible says no liars will inherit the kingdom of God. What about that? The Bible is a Bible. It's God's word. One sin is not greater than the other. You see? I think it's really important that we understand and never forget that people are going to die one day, including us, if the Lord tarries. You know, if the rapture doesn't come within this generation, then what's going to happen? We're going to die. But at the same time, when we die, and if we don't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are going to be lost forever and ever and ever and ever. Never ever to see the light ever again. You only get one chance and that's in this life. No more chances after this life. We must get that ingrained in our minds and in our hearts. Because there are millions of people in hell already today. If they could come back this morning, this afternoon, this evening, and give testimony to what they have seen, to what they feel, to what they have thought about. I don't think anybody here would be at peace ever again. There are people that are being tormented day and night, waiting for the great lake of fire. And yet, here we sit as believers today, and we have so many non-believers within our own families that need Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We must never go to sleep. We must tell them about Jesus. We must live for Jesus Christ. We have to make a choice whether we want to go to heaven or we want to go to hell. God will never ever, I love the Bible, I love what God says, God will never ever force anyone to go to heaven or to go to hell. We make the choice, we, wherever we want to spend eternity, by the way we live our lives in this world, that will be the conclusion at the end of our lives, where we will spend eternity. That's what the Bible teaches. But at the same time, we also have a responsibility. To do what? To tell people and to warn them about eternity. To warn them. I love the Old Testament, especially the book of Ezekiel, 
when you travel through Ezekiel chapter 3, chapter 18, 33, and Ezekiel is called to be a watchman over the people of God, and he says to him, God says to Ezekiel, I want you to go and tell them for me. You know, and if they make a decision, cool, you can wash your hands from men's blood, but if they make a decision, notice, if they make a decision, and they die, or if they don't make a decision, and they die in their sin, then you're free. Because you told them, and they didn't want to receive me. You see? So we have to, we have to really not only tell people, people have to make a decision. Whether they want to go to heaven, or they want to go to hell. I want to ask you a question tonight. How do you see people in your life? How do you see them? When Jesus came over to Samaria, and He saw the people, He saw them as people that were perishing. People without a shepherd. People without a shepherd. God was colorblind. God saw people either saved or lost. And I think that's the way we should see people. We need to realize that people need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why I have this great, not only this great anxiety within my life. Not a bad, in a bad way. But I have this, this stubbornness within me that when I see people, I have to tell them. I have to warn them. I have to share with them the love of Christ. Because this is what Christ did when He came into Samaria. He told him, he says, pray for the Lord of the harvest. For, because there were, not enough re, there were not enough people going out and sharing with the people. And we have a duty to pray that the Holy Spirit will raise up people in these last days to be able to go out and give them the message of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God loves you. And God wants to forgive you. And God wants to cleanse you. And God wants to take you to heaven with them. That's what the message is all about. When Jesus came down on that hill, in Matthew chapter 9, listen to what He said. This is amazing. In verse 35 He says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness, every disease among the people. But when He saw, here it is, that when He saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion for them. You see, we have to be compassionate. We can't damn people. We have to be compassionate. We can't pretend we're the Holy Spirit. There's not one person here that has ever saved any person. I have never saved anybody. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. I am God's donkey and I just do what God tells me to do. I give them the message. They have to make the decision. But I can't force people. As many times I feel that we're, you know, we're at somebody's deathbed and say, pray with me this prayer. Pray, pray, you know. And they can pray all they want, but if it's not in their hearts, we have nothing to do with it. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. I think of how many people have been pushed into the kingdom of God instead of just naturally allowing the Holy Spirit to do it God's way instead of men's way. So people can inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus saw the multitudes. And He moved with compassion, it says. Because they were worried, scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. And then He said to His disciples, The harvest truly is plenty, but the laborers are few. That's the problem. There's not enough people telling others about Jesus. Think for a moment, the, the most beautiful thing during the Jesus people movement is that people were winning, what? People to the Lord. Since you became a Christian, how many people have you led to the Lord? 
Not that God keeps count. Because we're not saved by works. But think about it. Are you too comfortable? You've had opportunities to share with someone, but you kind of kept close. You didn't say nothing. You have the greatest, greatest gift of all gifts. God has given you the gift of salvation. He's given you Jesus Christ. The King of kings and Lord of lords. We are the richest people in the whole universe. Because of the gospel that is being given to us. The good news. And whenever we see people like Jesus saw people. We need to tell them about God's love. And God's grace and God's mercy. Because Jesus said this. Therefore, what I want you to do is to pray for the Lord of the harvest. To send out laborers into His harvest. We need to pray for some of us here, for God to send us out to the harvest. When you go back to your homes, your neighborhoods, when you go back to work, when you go back to school, wherever you may be going, the grocery store, wherever it is, you know what? You need to be an ambassador for Christ. You need to be a witness, a martyrus for the Lord Jesus Christ. To me, it's a real blessing sometimes because I get home pretty late every night when I go to the grocery store, grab milk or whatever. And I always say to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, if you see someone that needs to be talked to, just show me and bring them to me, Lord. And you know what? There's been many times that I walked into the store, I see people bummed out. And I just don't go up to say, are you bummed out? Why are you bummed out? You know, I don't do that. You know, or you need to get saved. You know, don't do that. I just kind of walk around and I, I kind of play dumb, you know, with my basket. I take a few trips around where they're at, you know, to see what's going to happen. And, and you know, it's cool when the Lord opens the door and you begin to talk to these people. Man, they just pour themselves out to you. And it's so cool when you, leave, you can lead somebody in, in the produce department to the Lord. Imagine that. I love it. That's what God wants to do. And then Paul the Apostle in the book of Romans, chapter 10. 14 through 17, he said this, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings and good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. You see? By the word of Christ. We need to be instruments of righteousness to take the gospel. We have a great responsibility to share with people. We have to come to the place in our lives that we stop everything and realize that people will go to hell if we don't tell them. If they don't get the gospel, they're going to go to hell. If they don't repent, if they don't ask for forgiveness, they're going to die and go to hell. The most beautiful thing is that you and I will only die once. That's it physically. But the person that doesn't know Christ, they'll die twice. Physically and spiritually. Forever and ever and ever spending time in eternity. With the devil and all of his angels, the Antichrist, the false prophet, every demon that's ever existed, and hell and death will be there forever and ever and ever. But we will be with Christ forever and ever in that beautiful place called heaven. So we need to be urgent. We need to have an urgency in our hearts for people that are lost. They need to hear the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Because many times you talk to people and they'll say, well, do you really think there's a verse, there's actually a place called hell? Oh, yes, there is. In the Bible it says that. Oh, do people really go to hell? Oh, yes, they do. And then they say, well, how long do they spend their time there? I said, forever. Forever. Right now in hell, they're only there for a while. They're going to be transferred over to the lake of fire one day. That's what the Bible teaches. And then they'll say, well, how can I keep myself out of hell? I said, you know what? Look at your life and know that you have sinned against God. And then repent of your sins and confess your sins to Him. And then ask Him by faith to come into your heart. And He'll come in and sup with you and you with Him. And He'll baptize you with His Holy Spirit. And He'll give you the assurance of eternal life. That's what He'll do. Simple. And yet so hard for so many people. We always have to speak truth to people that are asking us for an answer. And when you talk about the place where people may go, the Bible describes this place hell in a terrible way. It describes it as an everlasting fire. Everlasting fire. Never ever stops. Matthew 25, 41 says, Then he will say also to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. Notice, not for men. For the devil and his angels, men makes the choice where they want to spend eternity. The devil has no choice. The angels have no choice. They already made their choice when they rebel against Christ. Totally at the beginning, they rebelled. One third of the angels fell. Satan, they followed him. Imagine that. And they were doomed and lost forever and ever. That's why the devil is so mad tonight. He knows he's running out of time. And he's trying to get as many more people as he can to take them with him into hell and into the lake of fire where they're going to be forever and ever and ever tormented. The Bible also says it's a place for everlasting punishment. Everlasting punishment. Matthew 25, 45 says, Then he answered them and said, I surely say to you, inasmuch as you did it uh, to one of the least of these, that you did it to me. And, and again, he's, here he's talking about the Jewish people, you know, that are going to be going to heaven or hell at the same time. But think about this for a moment. That eternal punishment that he's talking about, the Bible says there's going to be gnashing of teeth. Where the worm never dies, the Bible says. It will be a place where, if you go to the Gospel of Luke chapter 16, verse 19, the story of the rich man and Lazarus, before Christ died and rose again. And remember that when that rich man and poor man were sitting together, and then he was outside, they were inside, they were actually reclining on tables, sitting on pillows, and they were having a party. And this, this actual poor man came up to the gates, he was sitting there, reaching over, grabbing the crumbs, they were falling from the table. And the dogs, these wild dogs would come up and lick his face and his sores. And while the party was going on inside, nobody looked to the outside. There was somebody in need outside. They didn't see that man. The Bible says that that man died outside of those gates. And the Bible says the angels came. When you die, I die. When anybody dies, the angels come to carry us, either to heaven or to hell. Imagine that. I've been in places where people were dying and they say they're here. I'm looking at where, who's here? You know, the angels to carry you home. And the Bible says that when he died, the angels came and carried his spirit into hell. 
Gehen, actually into, into Sheol. Because Christ had not died and rose again from the dead. So every person went to Abraham's bosom that died. There were two compartments. Abraham's bosom, a great gulf separating, and on the other side the place where people were being tormented. And when he went to Abraham's bosom, he got a great reception there. Great reception. That very evening, that rich man, after partying, drinking, dressing well, all his friends were there, and they all began to depart. Probably didn't see the body, they were stepping over the body, whatever. Professional sweepers would come by night, sweeping the streets. They picked up the body, wrapped it, took it to Gehenna, to the city dump, and threw it in there in the fire. They didn't have a proper burial. But that rich man, as everybody went home thinking, tomorrow man, we're going to have another party. Tonight's Friday night, tomorrow's Saturday night. We're going to party hardy. And he went upstairs and took off his robes and you know, went and took a shower or whatever and got dressed in his nice clothing to go to bed. And not knowing that that very evening, sometime during midnight or after midnight, that he was going to die. There would be no more parties. And that very evening, the same angels came to get him and to take him to where that poor beggar was, but on the other side called Gehenna, or called Sheol, the place of the dead. And imagine being carried there the next morning when his, fa- his wife and kids found him dead. Immediately the same day they buried people in the east. And I could just see it. A beautiful procession for this rich man with great clothes and great burial you know, potential. And then if the wife doesn't love you, children don't love you, don't worry honey, don't worry you guys. We can hire professional mourners to come and, dry, and actually cry for your daddy. Imagine that. And imagine this rich man being buried, but now he's awake in hell. And he's looking to the other side. He said, wait a minute, I thought you said he died. He died. But the Bible says that in hell, all five senses are fully working. Did you know that? Read the scripture. All five senses. The Bible says he looked up and he saw Abraham. And in Abraham's bosom, he saw Lazarus. He didn't even know this guy. But in hell, he knew him by name. And he said, Father Abraham. Abraham had been there a long time. Never met him. Father Abraham, do you think it would be possible for that man, Lazarus, to, uh, for that man on that side, Lazarus, to come over to this side, dip his finger in cool water, put it on my tongue, for I am burning in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime, go back and remember, in your lifetime you had everything. You were a spoiled child. You had everything in life. And this poor beggar had nothing in life. But now, check this out, he's being comforted and you are being tormented. What a difference. And the rich man said, Father Abraham, do me a favor, please. I have five brothers at home. Do you think that somebody can go back from the dead and go up there and tell him about this place of torment as they come here too? And he said, What? Even if someone would go back from the dead, they still would not believe. Jesus Christ came and died. Three days later, He resurrected. He was here for 40 days, and then He ascended to heaven. And look at 2,000 years later, people still did not believe. The message still is there. But people still do not believe. There is a hell, as there is a heaven. 
People do go there, and they're in everlasting punishment. Another thing, they're in out of darkness. Matthew 8, 12 says, But the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hey, try to gnash your teeth for about 10 seconds, or go, go 5 minutes. You won't make it. Your jaw just kills you when you do that. Gnashing of teeth, imagine that. In all eternity. Everlasting destruction, it says. In 2 Thessalonians 1, 9, These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, from the glorious power. And then the lake of fire, Revelations 19, 20, Then the beast was captured with him, the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast, and those who worship his image. These two were cast alive into the lake, the fire, burning with brimstone. Imagine that. A lake of fire, one day activated by God. The devil and the fallen angels. The wicked will be there. Revelations 21.8 But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable murderers, sexual immoral sorcerers or drug users, idolaters, all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The disobedient will be there. Romans 2.8 says, But those who are self-seekers and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, ignination, and wrath is coming, tribulation and anguish on every soul of men who does evil of the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then there will be the fallen angels there. Second Peter 2.4 For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down into Sheol, and delivered them into chains of darkness, notice to be reserved for judgment. There's a place called Tarsus where these demons are in chains. They were so fierce. And one day they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. I mean, this is a real world, the spiritual world. Not just a temporal world. There is a spiritual world. And as the beast and the Antichrist will also be there, imagine what it's going to be like when that happens. And then check this out, this is important. The Bible tells us that hell's punishment is what? The body will be, he says, the body will go back into the earth, become worms, you know, part of the dust will be gone. But the soul and the spirit is the most important part. When you don't come to Christ, your body and your soul and spirit is dead. But when you come to Christ, it's a flip over now. The spirit rules and the body is the last thing in the world. But it's really important that we understand that it doesn't matter whether you're young or in middle of age or in old age. It doesn't really matter. Death comes as a surprise. And it can happen at midnight. It can happen at 3 in the morning, 6 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 12 noon, whenever. It doesn't matter when death comes and knocks on your door. He will do it. Are you ready to really meet the Lord? There are degrees of punishment, the Bible says. Degrees of punishment. There's other hotter places in hell for people that really like Hitler and all these people. There are places where they're going to be really punished because of what they've done. It's really important that we understand what God not only has said and what He's done. But that's why Jesus Christ said this. He said, Let not your heart be troubled if you believe in Me. Believe also that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again to receive you unto Myself. So that where I am, there you'll be with Me also. That's the invitation. 
And the reason I say that, listen very carefully what I'm going to read to you. This is real important because you can either accept him or you can reject him. You have to make the choice. But someone said this, You call me master, obey me not. You call me light, see me not. You call me way, walk with me not. You call me life and desire me not. You call me wise and follow me not. You call me fair and love me not. You call me rich and ask me not. You call me eternal and seek me not. You call me gracious and trust me not. You call me noble and serve me not. You call me mighty and honor me not. You call me just and hear me not. If I condemn you, blame me not. Think about that. You see, God doesn't want to condemn anybody. We condemn ourselves. Why? Because we reject God's love and grace and mercy that is offered to us every day. And all we have to do is say yes to Jesus. And Jesus Christ will touch your life. He'll cleanse you. He'll wash you by His blood. He'll write your name in the book of life. And He'll give you a new heart and a new mind and a new life to enjoy in this life before the next life. Father, We come before you this evening, Lord God, to thank you so much for your love, for your grace, for your mercies. And Lord God, I don't know who's listening to the radio, who's listening, Father, here tonight. But Lord, you know every person here, just every eye closed, every head bowed, very quickly. You know who you are. You know what your needs are. If you're here tonight and you want to go to heaven and you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, or you've been playing with sin, maybe you're living with your girlfriend, or you're going out on your husband or your wife, committing adultery, you're lying, or you're cheating from your employer. Whatever you're doing, that will send you to hell. But tonight here, Jesus Christ wants to touch you, wants to anoint you, wants to cleanse you and wash you by His blood, and wants to forgive you and write your name in the book of life. Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. If you would like more information about what you've heard in this message or about Calvary of Albuquerque, please visit our website at www.calvaryabq.org. If you have made a decision to follow Christ or would like someone to pray for you, please leave a message with our prayer watch line at 505-344-3658. Thank you and God bless.